Welcome to Get Your Swag Back with Steve Clements. This podcast is a brash, barrier-breaking, unapologetic look at the modern male, his masculinity, and the lies he is taught on how to attract, date, and act in relationships with women. We uncover and expose the problems men have in the dating arena, especially after a bad breakup or divorce, and show them how to set their ship straight. We also look into the mind of women and why they may stay with one man versus another, unveil the secret language of women, teach you women speak, and the positive traits that women come running to when they see you in the modern masculine man. Make your comeback, take your balls back, and get your swag back. All right, all right, guys. I'm back once again, full of wisdom today. I have a guy in the studio today who I like to call the professor. He's a great guy. His name is Keith Weedman. He's a transformational coach. He shows people how to be servants from the heart. Is that correct, Keith? You got it nailed, Steve. Awesome, man. Well, Keith, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Let's just talk about your uh, your bio, where you came from, you know, what you where you grew up at, what you did, and kind of some transformational points in your life. That's a great question, Steve. So backing up in time, I'm not a young guy. I'm going to go back to a point in time when I was a young man, and I had a girlfriend that was moving to Hawaii, and my heart was broken. And at the time, I took a course. It was a four-day, a two-day weekend, two weekends, four days. And in that course, I was so inspired that the women where I worked, I was a county director in a local office, and the women where I worked were all talking amongst each other. They were whispering back and forth. You know how women get. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And one of them who was close to me, my bookkeeper, she approached me. She said, have you fallen in love with somebody? (laughs) And I hadn't fallen in love with anybody. My girlfriend was moving to Hawaii. Wow. I was heartbroken. But I was so focused on living in the here and now mm. that it was as, as if I'd fallen in love with somebody. Wow. And that was my first breakthrough. My right. second one happened when I was a county director overseeing the welfare system in the state of Indiana. And I wasn't feeling fulfilled. There was something missing in the work that we were doing because in spite of our best intentions to help people, For the most part, people were not moved by the help we provided. I was looking for a more effective way to help people. I took a eight-day course, and it was what happened after I took this eight-day course that changed my life. I had a confrontation with this guy. I'm going to call him Mark. It was the first five working days of the month. The lobby was filled with people. Somebody was angry and upset and raising their voice, causing commotion. I was the county director. I was the authority figure. I stepped in to intervene. Usually, when the authority figure steps in to intervene, everybody calms down. When I stepped in to intervene this time, Mark didn't calm down. He said either I was going to give him his food stamps or he's going to beat the shit out of me. Mark was built like Popeye. He was really powerful. What I knew about him is I knew he once had attacked a detective from behind with a knife. I knew that he was dangerous. I knew he had addictions issues. 
And I knew whenever a domestic disturbance was called in and it involved Mark, that they always sent two squad cars, which was four officers back then, because they knew if Mark was involved in domestic disturbance, there was a good chance that an officer would get hurt. I got Mark into my office and I thought I would have maybe 15 minutes to kill until somebody called the police and the police would rescue me. (laughs) (laughs) When 15 minutes passed and nobody came to the door, I realized then that, oh my gosh, nobody called the police. (laughs) I was face to face with Mark. There was just a desk in between us. And much of our conversation for 90 minutes went something like this. If he beats the shit out of me, I'm going to have him arrested. If I'm arrested, he's going to come back and make bail money and come back and beat the shit out of me again. (laughs) You talk about a lose, lose. I used all my persuasion skills that day. And I was able to get out of that situation without getting the tar knocked out of me. Instead, what happened was he simply needed to go back through a process to reestablish his eligibility. He qualified for food stamps. He used to go around the community bragging, why should I work when I get food stamps? He was number one on my hit list. I was thinking if we could just shoot the 5% that gave the rest of the people that got help a bad rap, then the system could work for the other 95%. Mark was number one on my list. Mark and I managed to get through that situation without me getting the shit knocked out of me and without him getting his food stamps that day. We made arrangements for him to come back in later that week for an appointment. And then he got his food stamps. Something interesting happened, though. Somehow in the process, we bonded with each other. The next month, when Mark came in to pick up his food stamps, I just happened to bump into the lobby. We small talk with each other. It was like we were friends. Then I thought about the training I'd done, the eight-day course about changing people's lives. And I thought there was anybody whose life that I could change, he'd be the great person to try on. So I said, hey, Mark. How about me helping you get a job? He said then he wouldn't work. He wouldn't do janitorial work because that was beneath him. He wouldn't work in a factory because that was hot and sweaty. And then he said he would like to drive around town delivering bread in a bread truck. He thought that'd be really cool. He then left that day thinking I was going to help him get a job driving a bread truck. I thought to myself, here's a guy with a felony conviction on his record, and he's too picky. I didn't do anything. (laughs) 30 days later, he came back in and got his benefits, and we small talked in the lobby again, and this time he popped me the question. He said, hey, how's my job search going? He asked me how his job search is going. I said, I haven't done anything. He said, how come? And I said, you're too picky. He said, what do you mean I'm too picky? And I said, you won't work in a factory. Without any hesitation whatsoever, if he looked me right in the eyes and he said, I work in a factory. I didn't get him a job, but I called an HR manager that I knew. She had a foreman that was hiring. And Mark interviewed for that job, and he wanted the job so bad that the foreman, in spite of all the reasons he could have easily said no, decided to take a chance and hire him. I started getting phone calls once a week from the HR manager. Mark is knocking himself out to impress his supervisor. Mark is outperforming everybody on the line. 
30 days later, I bumped into Mark and I said, hey, Mark, I want to take you to lunch. And that was the first time that I saw a different side of Mark. I learned then that Mark was paranoid to go into restaurants. He thought people were looking at him. When we got to the restaurant, what he did was he darted his eyes from table to table, glancing to see who was looking at him. He had no idea, but he was actually drawing people's attention to him by the way he darted his glance from table to table. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy with a negative effect. Mark kept that job for 12 months, and then he lost it. Interesting, though, he never came back in and applied for food stamps. Ten years went by, and I was working in a different community. I didn't, hadn't seen Mark for 10 years, and I stopped to get a cup of coffee at a gas station, something to keep me awake for the, the two-hour drive. And I bumped into Mark for the first time in 10 years. He was dressed like a workaday Joe, and I asked him where he was going. He was on his way to work at a local factory. Mark had changed his life. The other thing that happened was because I helped Mark change his life, he helped me change mine. I signed up to go to graduate school and I got more clinical training from people who could affect change in brief interactions. I wanted to learn more. Mark changed my life too. Amazing. That, that was the second thing. Then the third thing is I used to get, when I was working to change the welfare system, I started enrolling people and I had a mentor who was in Chicago and he worked doing organizational development. He worked with companies to help companies improve their workforce, to help people that were leaders elevate their performance as a leader by evoking positive change within the people they lead. I then took ideas that I learned from him and I applied them in my work, change, affecting change within Indiana's welfare system in Montgomery County, Indiana. A couple of years later, actually I did it for seven years. After three years, somebody who had been a vice president at Cummins happened to become the head of the state agency. She learned about my work. When she left her position after 18 months, she went to Harvard and she taught in the Kennedy School of Government. She wrote a case study highlighting my role affecting change within Indiana's welfare system, both within the organization teaching people how to affect change in others, and also in the community, transforming the system to affect change. And that's how I got my start. That's why I do what I do today. I know that everyone has within them an abundance of potential that's hidden. And each of us can unleash more of that potential. Anyone can be a leader. A leader is about influencing others. And when you do something benevolent to influence somebody else. You can change their life. And each time you do that, you can change your own life too. Exactly. Yeah, the teacher becomes actually the student, right? Exactly. Yeah, those are, man, those are great stories. Now, first of all, though, I'm going to get back to the girl that went to Hawaii and what <laughs> happened there. What, okay, and Broken Hearts, what is it? Broken Hearts, Empty Pockets are probably the biggest motivators of all, right? What happened with this girl and what like seminar did you go to that like influences changing you that the women saw? That, that's kind of interesting to me. It was something called the EST training. 
Today it's called Landmark Forum. What does that involve? So it, it's four intense weekends. And basically what you learn is you learn that the way we perceive the world, it's, it's our perception. You cannot, so it's... Uh, you reflect back to the universe in a way of what you well, think well, the world is. If you, if you take Tony Robbins' comment, hit my favorite quote of Tony Robbins, is life happens for us, not to us. Right. And you and I have the ability to choose how we respond to what happens around us. We can choose to see it as life happening for us or life happening to us. And when we get stuck, life is happening to us. And when we shift our perception, life can happen for us. Yeah. That's what I love to help people do. It's awesome. You as a leader can help other people do this too. In fact, I know you do this, Steve. Yeah, I like. I mean, I got back to the woman thing because the broken heart is what transformed me into what I'm doing. Uh-huh. It was just interesting how you, how the loss of that woman, you know, made you transform, and these other women noticed you, like you were, like, you like, were you in love or something? And that's, uh, you know, that was so cool to hear. You've done amazing work in that area because Keith's idea really turned into some federal legislation. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I was a catalyst for welfare reform. What happened was one of the people that I recruited was the mayor of Crawfordsville, Indiana. At the time, his name was Phil Michael. And our work was featured in a major article in the Indianapolis Star. And because the mayor was involved in our work, the mayor got a major photo op mm-hmm. with his mentee. This was picked up by the Associated Press. It went nationwide. The year was 1990. In 1992, President-elect Bill Clinton ran for office successfully on a welfare reform platform. What I learned later was I learned that before 1990, the feedback that consultants gave to people running for offices, don't run a welfare reform platform, you'll lose our mayor because it was featured in a positive light affecting change. He helped to change people's perception. That's amazing. You're right there. That's that is so cool. And of course, welfare reform. Uh, I think it was passed in what 1994. I think I remember that. I remember that was a big deal, and it really helped out a lot of people, didn't it? Did it transform some lives. Well, what happened was politics got involved. Uh oh. <laughs> so you had different people that had different agendas. And the system was changed, but it was not changed in the most effective way, in my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. You went from people getting education to better themselves to change their lives, to people going out and getting a job to change their lives. Now, is it a bad idea to get a job instead of go to college? You know, that's a a question Mm -hmm. that uh, they made a, a judgment call that it was. Right. And uh, I could see it from both sides. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the guy, Mark, that was an interesting story, how you, you kind of de-escalated that situation where he could have really just, you know, gone nuts. And how, what made him like, you said he went out and got a job and you didn't see him for a while, but he, it's just amazing how he changed, you know, from that one time because he didn't want a job, he, he didn't want to work in a factory and all of a sudden he's working in a factory. 
Do you have any clue or what did he tell you about that situation? So you got to keep in mind that people have their best self and their worst self. Mm -hmm. And when he felt critically judged by others, he used to say, why should I work when I can get food stamps? It was his way of getting under people's skin. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that he really didn't want to work. He just wanted to get under people's skin when people got him upset. And he got upset all the time. <laughs> so you could say that we all have our best self and our worst self. Right. Nobody was born in the world with a dream and aspiration of one day being on public assistance. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people, though, that feel stuck, that feel trapped, that feel they have no way out. And Mark was one of those people before he met me. Awesome. Now, what was the second uh, seminar you went to because you wanted to learn learn more about how to change people, how to transform them? You said you went to a second uh, seminar. It was was actually called Mastering Psychotherapy. Okay. And if you it it goes goes back before people realize that the best practices of psychotherapy are relevant and effective in leadership. Mm -hmm. So I learned some of the best practices in psychotherapy, and I happened to be in a leadership position. So I took what I learned and applied it in my role as a manager and in my role as an influencer. Wow. And it really helped out. And it it catapulted you really to uh, start welfare reform across the nation. It's amazing. Uh, became a catalyst. Uh, it was a, an accident. <laughs> well, I, I don't we know about that. Change. We were affecting change in one county, and we certainly wanted to affect change beyond one county. Yeah. I don't think it was luck, buddy. I think it was the universe. You I know. think you're probably right. Yeah, that was amazing. So you went to graduate school, and then you got the, the uh, welfare reform. You started that. What happened after that, after the wealth, you know, after you, that, that uh, did you like retire from the job and then start your own business? Oh, my God. I went through a 15 year sabbatical. No, no kidding. I thought that I could park my skills for 15 years and retire from the state and then <laughs> simply relaunch because I wanted to start my own business many years ago. Right but I wasn't being compensated by the state of Indiana. I mean, basically they would give you a merit raise, which was, you know, at, in a good year, 4% and a bad year, 2%. Mm-hmm. But if you worked 80 hours or if you worked 40 hours, you could still earn a merit raise. So mm-hmm. there wasn't much financial incentive to really perform. And I used to work 68 hours for 70 years. Wow. I don't regret that. But I do recognize and I would discourage anyone from working for government when you want to change people's lives. If you really want to affect change in people, you can work for yourself, mm-hmm. create your own company. So during those 15 years, what did you like? What were you doing? I got a promotion to lead a different county office. Mm-hmm. So that was the perfect time. It was two hours away. There was no way that I could continue to, to do my volunteer work in the county where I was leaving behind. So I had to, to resign from my position and I had to give up the volunteer work Oh wow! for a little while, for a few months. And then in my next community, the, a different county, 
I still did some things to try to keep the, the spark alive. I started a program called Wheels to Work. And it was something that involved a whole bunch of people in a different and a bunch of agencies working together. We received a Governor's Innovation Award. And that was pretty awesome. And we created a replication grant with that award to be able to help other counties in other communities and within Indiana and beyond Indiana to start a wheels to work program. Basically, if you had somebody who had a child that go to college, you might have a vehicle that they no longer need in their family because people typically buy a car for their child when they're before college. Right. And then when their child graduates from college, they don't want to be associated with that car anymore. You often have a car that could be donated. There's a lot of people that want to help people. And when you think about what the options are for somebody that doesn't have good credit rating, they can't go in to get a bank loan. All they can get is a high interest loan. They can pay as much for a junker as what you and I pay for a brand new car. Yep. And it's because it's a junker, it tends to break down. When it breaks down, they can repossess it and sell it again. And somebody loses their job because they don't have transportation. But if you can fix the transportation issue, which we focused on fixing, then it can help people. Awesome. And you got you have a really giver's heart, man. It's amazing. I mean, just like what you've done, you can't, you know, you 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 incentivize welfare reform without even really realizing. And now you had governor's award for doing this wheels to work. That I mean, that, that's amazing. So right now, give uh, give us a uh, idea of what you do and how you help people. Well, I help leaders, small business owners, and their management teams to change the lives of the people they lead and serve. Think both the people who work for the company and also the people that are clients of the customer or customers of the company. And if you do things to affect positive change in the people you lead and serve, then you're going to strengthen your relationship with them because they're getting all kinds of extra benefits that they weren't expecting from you. And because of that, you can. So that's what I love to do. And you and I are going to be doing a workshop together. Mm-hmm. And the workshop is got, there's a bunch of us that are, we call ourselves wisdom warriors for a reason. Sure. We've all had life experiences and we've all had mentors. And we know that we can help young men to learn faster. They don't need to make the same mistakes that we made in our lives. We can help them grow and learn faster by avoiding the mistakes we made and learning some of the best ideas that we've learned from our mentors. And that's what we'll be doing on February 27th from 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be changing young men's lives. And I'm looking forward to it. And I know I can just see the, the glitter in your I mean, the sparkle in your eye. Because it will be transformational because these guys can avoid a lot of the mistakes that we made. I mean, even later in life, how we realized how we wanted to help people, you know, start a business, become entrepreneurs in our our later lives. It's going to be a great vehicle for them to learn 
you know, hey, I can I can cut 20 years off of my, you know, hurt or pain or, or whatever, you know, and get going and get on with the life that I want to live and, and really yeah. excel and, and accelerate into their dreams or their whatever they want to do with their life. I, I of course, will deal with the relationships and uh, how to avoid the pitfalls, the red flags of women and, and, and follow, you know, look for quality women in their lives. And um, yes. you, of course, are the servant's heart to show people how. To really, I mean, I totally agree with you. If you care about your people that work for you and the customers that you have, it has benefits you would never realize. I mean, I see that in in the, the business. You know, I, I bartend still. I'm a retired government worker, like you. I was a government worker, and it, you're right. It was a it was a it was a soul sucking job because it really wasn't there for helping people out. It was just kind of like punch the clock and and that's it. The servant's heart is where it's at because one, Albert Einstein said, don't be a man of success, be a man of value, add value to the world. See, a man of success takes more than he adds. A man of value adds more to people's lives than he takes. And I feel that with you, Keith. I think you just got that, that servant's heart. You know, you're, you just, I just feel goodness with you. And it's, it's amazing. And what you have done is, is truly to me, amazes me. Especially with the welfare reform. I mean, that that, that just blows my mind because I remember all of that. I remember all, you know, what was going on and how they finally got something done to the benefit and of uh, people that are, are on welfare. But I'm going to finish this up with our um, what I like to call the Fast and Furious Five. Five most things in your life that kind of changed your life. So what book like really transformed you? What would you say what book transformed you? The book that I love is The Art of Possibility by Rosamund Stone Zander and Benjamin Zander. I love this book because it's the only book that I've read that's about constructivism as a disciplined practice. And that's what I use in my work. Constructivism as a disciplined practice. That That is wild. I mean... <laughs> Can you just explain that just a little bit? Constructivism. Say that again. When I was in graduate school, I studied really big words. Mm -hmm. And I took this course about epistemology. Which and is what? <laughs> it's the nature and grounds of knowledge. Okay. So think about how do we know what we know? And constructivism is a theory that we really can't know reality for certain. All we can know for certain is what reality is not. We can disprove something. We can't prove anything. If you go back to something Albert Einstein said, he once said that no amount of experimentation can ever prove me right. A single experiment can prove me wrong. Right. And what he's talking about is a mindset of a true scientist. And when you take the mindset of a true scientist and apply it to your role as a manager, as a leader, as an executive, as a small business owner, then you can change your relationship with knowledge. You can use knowledge when it's useful. You can set it aside when it's not. And you also can own perceiving as a creative act because you really can't ever perceive reality exactly the way it is. You can only perceive it the way you believe it is. Right. And the way you act and respond to the way you perceive it influences the outcome. Yep. There's a lot of self-fulfilling prophecies that happen in the world that people don't own because they believe it's they're validating their view when in fact they're actually manifesting their view. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's so that I understand it 
what you just said, because it's like the universe, you are a reflection of the universe, what you put out there, right, into the universe, or what you yes. think, your perception, right? Yes. Fills your reality in a way, or what it is. Somebody could say something to you, you can take it the wrong way, right? Yes. Because you're, taking, you're filtering through your perception of what they're saying, and it could be totally different from what they were thinking of, you know, how they were going to say something to you. It's it's an amazing thing that you really got to, I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's just hard to explain, but you said you explained it very well. Thank I you, never, Steve. Yeah. I mean, Albert Einstein was just a, uh, it's funny how they talked about how his math skills weren't that great, but he put everything on his imagination. He would put himself out into the universe. Yes. Kind of let his imagination take over and let these ideas you know, you're thinking this man is so smart, but they would talk about his math skills weren't that great. I'm like, so what? <laughs> what, a, what a great mind. Who would be the person that you think, say, would influence you the most? What has been, who's been the biggest influence in your life? You know, say, author. Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. I knew that. I read, I read his book in 1988. The book right. I read was called Unlimited Power. Right. And even today, I'm still utilizing what I learned in that book. Amazing. That's awesome. And who is like, who is like your number one, like your favorite quote, the go-to quote? I mean, everybody has their like little saying in their mind. What would you, what do you go to like when you're like mad or something or you need some motivation? Like what, what quote just sticks with you? Tony Robbins, life happens for us, not to us. Awesome. Awesome. And if you take that quote then you can apply it anytime and find a way for life to be happening for us instead of to us. On the positive side of things, right? That's awesome. What's your, like your favorite like motivational movie? What movie can you just sit down and say, oh, I love this movie. It just makes me jump out of my seat or whatever. I'm not big on movies, but Robin Williams was once in a movie and he was a teacher. Oh, yeah can't recall the name of the movie but that movie really that was a great movie i know what you're talking about yeah he was a, he was a teacher at like a boarding school right yes yeah 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 and carpe diem that's the first yes. time i heard that yeah. saying carpe diem yeah. yeah i forget the name of it too i know what you're talking about Just <laughs> google robin williams uh, movies and <laughs> and uh, who's been the most personal influence in your life the person that most influenced you that you knew who's like the driving force for you i'm gonna go with uh, eric lawfong because he and i have had a personal relationship and i intentionally picked eric because he was mentored by tony robbins he once worked for tony robbins and then after he left tony robbins he became tony's top salesperson and when he left tony robbins company he actually won a contract to train Tony's sales team wow. for a couple of years. And that was 20 years ago. Wow. Eric, I would have to say, has been the greatest influence on my life that I know personally. Yeah, that's awesome, buddy. Well, thank you, Keith, so much for taking time out of your day and, and speaking with me. Uh, give us your information on how people can reach you and want to talk or want to talk to you. My email address is Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at level3bydesign.com. That's the number three, K-E-I-T-H, at level3, 
bydesign.com. And my cell number is 812-343-2697. That's 812-343-2697. Awesome, buddy. And of course, our Wisdom Warriors, it's wisdomwarriors.net. That's going to be a seminar from 11 to 3, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. On February 27th, meet Keith uh, and two other gentlemen, Robert Icard and Pierre Vandenberg, are going to do a seminar to show you guys, you guys in your 30s who are kind of lost, kind of looking for direction, want to avoid the pitfalls of life, can quantum leap over those and maybe take 20 years of hardship off of your life. So, guys, thank you so much, Keith. God bless you. I love you, man. I'm going to borrow something that you once said, Steve, that guys are known for not asking for directions. You can take a guy going someplace and he can be lost for literally hours because he won't stop and ask for directions. (laughs) You and I both know that if a guy becomes wise enough to stop and ask, that they can move a lot faster. They don't need to repeat our mistakes they can avoid them by learning from us. That's a great point. Great point, guys. So we have your GPS for success, guys. February 27th, 11 a.m. Eastern to 3 p.m. Eastern. Me, Keith, Pierre, and Rob. Thanks for your time, Keith. Hey, thank you, Steve. Take care. My pleasure. And guys, there you go. Keith Weedman. Keith by Level 3 Design. I love that. Anyway, guys, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for listening. My goal is to help 300 million men worldwide to make their comeback, take their balls back, and get their swag back. And remember, guys, it ain't over till they're patting you on the face with a shovel. This is Steve Clement signing off. Next podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Get Your Swag Back podcast with Steve Clements. And if you like this shit, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, if you know anyone that may need to hear this podcast, which is 90% of the men in the world, send them my way. Please send us your feedback, questions, and comments to swagbackdoc at gmail.com. I love reading hate mail. Thanks for listening, and fellas, take your balls back and get your swag back. See you next podcast.